What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Butterable podcast with me, your host, Beth Antonucci. I have a question for you. And I'm curious, what is it that you do when contrast presents? Do you quickly try to run from it? Or are you willing to be with the lessons that life is presenting to you in this experience? And the reason that I ask is because I have flown back home to Perth for what I thought would be two days and has ended up being two weeks. And I am really in the contrast of experiencing in my body what it felt like to be in so much alignment and aliveness in Bali to then return back to Perth, which once was my beautiful glass cage, which has now become my incredibly frustrating glass cage and I can feel the monotony, the boredom. I can feel how much I have tolerated in this space. I mean, fam, I lived in the same fucking house for six and a half years. It was time, Rebecca, to spread your wings and fucking fly. And there was a part of me that knew it, but the safety that I had cultivated in the comfort zone of the known just felt way too familiar. And so I was willing to complain about being bored, but boredom felt beautiful because it looked beautiful And now that I've actually been able to experience, feel and experience the contrast of aliveness, being back in Perth, I'm like, this fucking sucks. And knowing that this is my intro, I'm not going to make this a whole podcast episode on its own, although you can strap yourself in and know that one will come. But I would just love for you to be in the question and the curiosity of exactly that. Today, fam, I have the most incredible guest for you. This podcast episode I recorded on a Friday afternoon and I want to be totally honest and share with you, the Friday afternoons are not really my time to be fully online, fully alive, fully lit up. So when, as I know her sass, her name is Anastasia Griffith, she is an incredible friend of mine. Before we went to record, she said, how are you feeling? I said, I'm actually fucking tired. This conversation lit me so up that I was so enthralled by every single thing that this incredible woman shared with me about her incredible journey. Sass has been an actress, she's a coach, she's my friend, she's a mother, and this podcast today is such a fucking gift for any woman that is just deeply desiring to create a deeper relationship and connection with herself, the embodiment of what it means to be a woman, to be in such deep connection and relation with ourselves, and also What is so beautiful about Sasa's journey and Astasia's journey is she had every single thing that society deems as good, as great, as accolades, as accomplishments, as every single thing that if we were to acquire it, then you should feel happy, fulfilled, in alignment, achieved. And she had those things. She had the fame. She had the wealth. She had the business opportunities, the acting opportunities, the red carpet, the beauty, the body. And it just wasn't fulfilling her. So I cannot wait to hear what you receive from this episode. If you love it, please screenshot it, share it, tag us because the both of us would fucking love to connect with you. This is one hell of an episode. Strap yourself in. Let's fucking go. Oh, it is the last day sitting here in my Bali villa that I really do not want to give up, but I am so happy on my Friday afternoon to be joined by the very beautiful Anastasia Griffith. 
Sass, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. I am so excited to be here and I'm on such incredible company. You've had amazing guests, so thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. I know you impacted my life in a great way last year. I know that you just recently guest spoke in my mastermind all around EFT, so I'm really excited to share you with my audience so they can receive all of your incredible wisdom. But for any of my listeners who do not know, I call Anastasia Sass, just so everyone knows, because I'm privileged enough to. If anyone does not know who Anastasia Griffith is, can you please share with us who you are and what is it that you do in the world? Um, well, it's always a big question, that, isn't it? Who are you is ultimately the best question of all time. Um, I am a consciousness who acts in the world as Anastasia Griffith. Who have I been? I've, I've been an actress. I was an actress for 21 years. I still am. I am a mum. I'm a sister to six older brothers. I come from the UK. I've spent a lot of time in LA and New York. And now I am an embodiment and parenting coach for women who really want to step into the lives that they truly desire as mothers, but also as women. So being the women that they really want to be and the mother that they really want their kids to have. And I guess my biggest passion is helping people like you, Beck, step into that power that we all have innately, but that so many of us have numbed out. And I think that's probably, um, that's been my biggest growth to come from someone who's very numb to being someone who's actually really embodied now. And I, and I am so passionate about passing that on to other people. Oh, I love that so much. So that's probably a great place for us to start. I always ask my guests what's hot on their heart before we go live. And one thing that we touched on was that you were an actress in Hollywood and at the time you felt numb. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, it's it's nuts. I look back on 10 years probably of living what would be other people's dream. I was in big, big TV shows, walking the red carpet at the Emmys, having publicists fawn over me and dress me in incredible clothes and fake hair and fake eyelashes and blacks out windows and limousines and and the whole works. And I was miserable. And I felt guilt. I felt so much guilt and shame for being unhappy despite having achieved what I'd always wanted to achieve, which was to be an actress. But I think that was a secret thing that fame and recognition would make me feel better. At night, I would be binge eating. I would be numbing out in front of Netflix and just not, not feeling very much. I wasn't able to have really good connections with men. It was kind of disastrous. I didn't really feel very much in terms of sexual intimacy. I felt so much shame around that, that I just couldn't access my pleasure in any way, really. I was drinking a lot. There were times when I was taking a lot of cocaine. My mom's going to be absolutely appalled when she listens to this. I'm, I'm coming out to you all now. My, my inner bad girl is being fully revealed. And I think then a pendulum swing happened for me where I was like, right, I'm burying the bad girl and mm. I'm going to be such a good girl. And I went down this sort of really spiritual road. I would do long meditation retreats where I wouldn't speak for days on end and became quite austere in a way, like quite really strict on myself. But the same thing sort of met me there. I wasn't feeling more or more able to connect with other people. And so I knew something was was very wrong and I didn't know how to fix that. And I ended up having a lot of health issues, which came as a fallout from a very nasty breakup with someone I should never have been in a relationship with anyway. Um, but it was really that moment that I was like, okay, my body is now collapsing. Like I, I'm physically 
I've got Lyme's disease and I've got autoimmune issues and I've got gut issues and my nervous system is shot. I looked a wreck, stopped working for two years ultimately, and in that time went on this massive self-healing journey. And it was in that moment where I read an article where it said that Lyme's disease was a metaphysical disease. Now that's going to be very triggering for anyone who's had Lyme's disease. And I'm not suggesting that it's not real or in, in the body. But mm-hmm. for me, that was a wake-up call. For me, that was like, oh my God, I've got power over this to get myself better. And it was a completely new concept. So from that point, which was like 2014 to now, has been a huge journey of healing, much of that for me, has happened through motherhood. And I would actually still for that down and say much of that has happened through experiencing true love. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was with my son. But for others, it might be with a, a partner. Um, but opening up to that true love and surrendering to it and taking my power back, knowing that I had the power to change how my body was functioning, how my brain was functioning, how my soul was functioning, and really healing the nervous system, everything from the inside out. And so now I am going back to work as an actress, as well as a coach, and I'm doing it really differently. And my self-worth does not come from what people write about me on IMDb or anywhere else, which is what I would kind of rate my success against, right? Mm, I love that. So many questions that I could ask you. I mean, I love even the reference to the Lyme's disease being a metaphysical disease. In fact, a metaphysical practitioner messaged me last night asking if she could come on the show to speak specifically about the herpes virus. I love how you reference this could be triggering for some people because I've always said that herpes is such a manifestation of our thoughts, co-creating this experience to actually catalyze an awakening from within so that we can reclaim our power. I'm sure. What was occurring for you emotionally? I don't have any background in Lyme's disease. Is there stigma, shame, anything attached to that kind of diagnosis? Um, I don't know specifically how someone who heals limes metaphysically would say you know it's not like the book that louise hay put out which is you've got a headache this is this thought like i could directly link that in but for me the biggest awakening was realizing that everything that came out of my mouth was incredibly negative mm. actually i'd felt for a long time this real disconnect between my soul i had the sense of my presence and who that was and it was very soft and nurturing and feminine and loving But what would come out of my mouth and how I would interact with the world was much tougher. And it was feisty and negative and very self-deprecating. But I couldn't even tell you who it was. It was just some video I watched that was like, notice every word you speak is a little spell you give to the universe. That was a new idea for me at the time. And so I started there. What am I putting out? How do I reconnect with this part of me that I feel inside, but no one else is getting to experience? I think lots of people might have that, this kind of lack of connection between who they are privately and who they are in the world. And so for me, Lyme's disease had been massive self-betrayal. I had started dating this guy who was my personal trainer in LA. And I had so gone into that relationship because he presented himself as my protector. And I felt like I needed that. I was tired. I'd been out sort of battling in this world of Hollywood. It felt like forever. And I wanted someone to just embrace me. He was a big guy. Just embrace me, protect me, look after me. The inner child was making that decision 100%. And then a year later, I got an email from his lover, his ex-girlfriend, I think his now wife, saying that they'd been together the entire time. And my body collapsed in that moment. When I got that email, my body hit the deck. And I've never had a dramatic response to anything like that in my life. And I just physically collapsed. 
And that was really when the Lyme's disease came in. That was when all these diagnoses, about six months later, all these diagnoses came in. And I was like, this was an emotional collapse of, I think, the culmination of me self-abandoning again and again and again over probably about a 20-year period. And I was about, well, not quite so much, 15-year period. I was about 35 at the time. So while that moment was a very tragic moment in my life that created a lot of trauma. I went into a very depressive state. I thought that everyone on this planet was out for themselves. There were suicidal thoughts at times of like, no one cares about anyone. You know, they just say what they need to say to get what they want. And so there was a lot of healing, obviously, that needed to happen. But that moment needed to happen in my life. And if it hadn't, I don't know, I'd have, I'd have gone through any of the changes. I wouldn't have stepped away from Hollywood which I needed to do, I recognize in hindsight, to actually fully get to know who I am, what I want, and to be able to connect this internal experience of who I am with the external world, which for me has happened through mothering, for sure. I didn't even know all of this about your story. I'm like, just keep talking. I won't even ask questions. This is amazing. She never spoken about that in public, ever. I mean, I, I barely touch upon it with my friends we talk about you know this person he is a bigger in my life um, but I haven't spoken about it publicly but I'm very ready to and I'm very ready to yeah I'm very ready to share it it's unbelievably inspiring to me for so many reasons and right now I love to use life as my teacher and so many women are coming into my world and they're usually my kind of woman that speaks to me she's around 28 to 34 she's got ineffective self-worth or body image stories going on but the women that have really been speaking to me lately are 35 to 45 and they're really inspired by the life path that I'm committed to at the moment my own aliveness and they're sharing really privately with me and the reason I'm referencing this is the part where you're like you know we can feel from within who we are but there's this disconnect between our presence and our soul these women are coming to me saying I just feel like at 39 40 41 I don't even know who I am and now I'm looking at my life and looking around at all the things that I have and the life that I've built and I don't even think that I want it but I don't even know what questions to ask myself, but I just know this isn't right. And I feel really bad about that. Like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like my first question for you is, especially because so many of those women would think, fuck, actress in Hollywood sounds pretty fucking good. People dressing you up and the limousines blacked out windows. And then this moment where you collapse on the ground and then create so much deep acceptance around it. What was that period like between collapsing on the ground you said your nervous system was shot Lyme's disease different diagnoses coming in to being like no this had to happen it was a long one it didn't happen overnight there was a lot of fear a lot of confusion I mean in some ways my life got stripped away and I think I was reflecting on this this week that my son is having to change schools I say having to and this is the point right secretly wanted to send him to the school I'm sending him to now for five years but I haven't had the balls because it's it's alternative right so I've made all these other choices to like fit in with what my family would respect and what society would respect. And, and I'm coming back to my gut, right? I'm coming back to who I kind of thought he was five years ago. It's hard making a decision for a four-year-old. But, you know, recognizing that we do know what it is we want. We just don't always want to listen to it. I was reflecting on why do I need to make something bad out of where I am now make it the evil sort of enemy, make it so bad that I'm ready to jump ship. Why can't I just have the balls and the <clears throat> self-knowing and the gut 
trust in my own gut that I could make that decision from the beginning. Now that's going to be my ongoing journey, right? I'm getting better at it. But I had this voice in my head for five years before all of this happened that this isn't making you happy. Like this isn't making you happy. And my thing about acting was always, I love acting. I love the moment between action and cut. I love the performance. I love it on camera. I would get really freaked out on stage. I always got really, I mean, I trained for it, but I always got terrible stage fright. And so I was like, right, so on camera is more my thing. And I love playing with the lens. And I, you know, I, I think there were moments that I was pretty good at it. There were plenty of moments where I was shit. But just a side note, I watched Blacklist last year and after being in a four month container with Sass, I was watching an episode and all of a sudden she was, I was like, fun <laughs> one. That was a really fun one. And that was post motherhood. And it was a really tough experience for me. It was just fun. But yeah, you were amazing. Some of the other stuff beforehand is probably some of my best work, but it's, it was intense and it was, oh, it would take so much out of me without me realizing it. But it's not that. It was, what I've learned in hindsight is that I'm a highly sensitive person. I am someone who, what that means is, in the way I describe it, is that we're almost missing a filter, right? And we take in so much information and one in five people are highly sensitive. This doesn't make me particularly special in any way. It's just a personality trait. And I think most actors are. And then we get thrown onto a set with hundreds of people, loads of noise, lights, and then like food, snacking, you know, all this drama, people needing a lot from you. Sometimes you're a bit like a politician where you've got to show up in a certain way. I was shit at all of that because it was so overwhelming. And I understand this about myself and would have so much shame that I would go into this hole of like, why am I not grateful? And why can't I respond in a different way? And why? I didn't know how to take care of myself. But even in that moment, I was able to identify like something here is not making you happy. You are not happy. But I was not able to show up for myself in a loving and compassionate way and inquire why or what. And I certainly wouldn't have been brave enough to step. And I see younger actors getting so much better at this. People do take breaks and they do talk about their mental health. You know, they are better at creating a container around themselves. The self-care thing is a better conversation, but I was just honestly like, abandoning all the time and then self-flagellating. So for those women who are going through that, one, it takes time, but the first step is softness towards yourself, not being angry and stressed about it, not wondering what the fuck is wrong with me, but being really gentle and inquiring. And, and the part of you that I would speak to is the inner child, because ultimately we all have one and if we can almost imagine that there's a part of us that is like the five-year-old that one day you guys might have and how you would like to show up for that kid and begin to treat ourselves in that way, then you might create a little bit of space of safety for you to begin to understand what it is that part of you truly desires. And we could talk more about why the inner child in particular is so relevant, in my opinion. But whether it's your inner child or your inner teenager or just the part of you that's trying to protect you, speaking mm -hmm. softly will allow that voice to come through. Self-flagellating and telling yourself you're an ungrateful biatch, which is what I used to do, is only going to shut that voice down more. It's going to create more shame. It's going to create more stress in your nervous system. When you're stressed in the nervous system, you're in fight and flight. You're not even in your logical brain. You're not connected to your pleasure. You're not connected to your joy. There's no way you can have an orgasm. Like there's no way you can experience your fulfillment. 
So really, this is a conversation about, in my book, it's about reparenting, which is a term that is widely used, but I can explain more, and self-connection and the nervous system. It is that time again, but is it your time now? Are you ready to unlock the most fully expressed you? This August, join me and my incredible support team as we support you to break free from shame, break through unworthiness and connect so deeply within to the truth of who you are so that you create the internal safety to express and be yourself courageously in this world. True Transformation is my signature 10-week group coaching program designed to support you to heal from your past and live your life authentically and expressively so that you can experience the world from a deep sense of aliveness, alignment, and you embodied in your unique fire. Want to join us? Head to the link in my show notes and apply today. Oh, I love this so much. And just to make it even more relevant, it's like for myself, I heard the voice tell me on a flight, it woke me up from Amalfi Coast to London last year. And it literally woke me up out of my sleep on the plane and was like, you're not meant to be going back to Perth. You don't want to be in Perth right now. And then because I've been trying to deny that truth and logic my way out of it, for about four months, my jaw was so tight. Like my jaw was clenched showing that I was moving house, but it was going against my internal truth. I didn't want to do it. The entire time I kept turning to my sister being like, oh my God, my teeth are in pain. I would put things between my back teeth to stop the clenching because it was hurting so much I'd have constant headaches. Mm. Then obviously because I'm denying the truth, I'm creating rupture in my relationship because I'm trying to logic my way out of it, mm-hmm. but it's creating frustration. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at my beautiful life, like our house was a nice house by the river in Perth, Western Australia, and everyone's like, you should love it here. This is a beautiful house. What's your problem? What's your problem, Rebecca? You're a spoiled brat, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't you like what's around you, Rebecca. So I'm sitting there going, well... My truth is saying no, but everyone else is telling me yes. And you've got a good business, Rebecca. Everyone else would love to have a business like yours, Rebecca. I'm like, well, I should just be happy. And I'm trying to like force against the truth that I knew. And then I started being hard on myself. Well, I should look at everything around me that I should just be grateful for. Mm-hmm. But my truth was I was not experiencing. You were shitting all over yourself. <laughs> yeah. And how many women, though, have that experience? Oh. So the life is nice. Maybe things don't always have to be quote unquote bad like trauma doesn't have to be capital t trauma this bad awful horrible stuff where the granddad rapes the child it doesn't have to be that no but it can become that if you stick it out long enough it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse like you're going to keep you know for me i had to collapse physically for me to eventually be like okay i've got to listen to this and in fact i didn't even really i was still running up against it and still playing victim and still being like, I'm losing my whole career and gripping hold of it. And it wasn't until I miraculously, and very miraculously, by the way, I've written a whole chapter in a book about this, but I miraculously became pregnant that I was like, and I'm going to let go because this thing is more important to me. That had to come into me. And it was the biggest gift for other people. It may be terrifying for me. It's what I wanted. And I was able then to fully let go and surrender and be like, right, my life's going to change and I'm okay with that because there's this other thing. But like, how do we get to the point that we can listen to that voice and change this understanding in society about what that voice is and how 
valid and important it is to our own well-being, but not only ours, everyone around us. You know, how we engage with everyone we meet changes in that moment. And for me, it was a long, drawn-out process. There was a lot of physical healing, which, you know, gut healing on a massive level. I had to go through some quite intense regimens. And I sat in a few ayahuasca ceremonies, which blew the lid off shit for me. And I'm not sure it's something that I necessarily would do again. It was quite traumatizing for me. I think it was too much too fast. Mm -hmm. But there was something that came out of that. And I feel like that set me on a sort of accelerated healing journey. And within sort of a year of that, I was pregnant with my kid. So there was a sort of magical element to it as well. But then even once I was pregnant, there was surrender and there was allowing that part of me to evolve and really nurturing it and listening and trusting the woman that was inside who I didn't know existed before. And we all have that, you know, and I think sectioning out, like becoming more in touch with your higher self, like who is that? Who is your inner mother, that nurturer? You don't have to have a child to access that part of you. We can do that with the people around us, that softness. And I know when we met Beck, you were quite frustrated and triggered with that part of me. Like you found that quite triggering. But that was the part, and still, you know, at that time especially, was the part of me that I was most proud of. Because I was like, I've worked hard to be in this nurturing space, to be able to, to, be able to show up with other women and other men from this place of love and softness. Mm-hmm. wasn't something that I'd always lived in. So just to know that, you know, I think in one of your other podcasts, someone spoke about timing in life. And this is a really key point in relationship, yes, but also in relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Go through phases. I'm no longer that 19-year-old who wears like low-slung belly, t- you know, trousers hanging off my hips and wanting to be like the ladette. Like I'm not there anymore. And that's okay. And that doesn't make me a phony then or a phony now, but I'm evolving. And we get to change and we get to listen to this soul inside that is on a journey of healing and evolution and growth. And that, for me, is the point of being on this planet. Mm, I love that so much. And it's so interesting as well, because at the time that that was the trigger, that was probably the thing that I was most resisting, which now is my desire for me to actually cultivate and bring more and more and more online. Like when I sit and tune into my desires, it's to live from a soft, loving, open, unguarded, kind, generous mm-hmm. heart for myself and others. Mm-hmm. Whereas Beck, circa 18 months ago or two years ago or three years ago, was like goal line, anything that was goal-oriented was all goal line. Business, numbers, clients, now it's all soul line, knowing that everything else will come. But goal line without soul line is just meaningless. Mm-hmm. Then the other thing that you really touched on that I love was how when we deny the voice, it impacts others in a detrimental way. And when we honor it, how beautiful it is. Like even Jake and I, with all the rupture that was going on, he's like, I don't think you care. You're not loving. You're not kind. You're not compassionate because I felt like I was being taken from, even though that wasn't what's happening. Now that I've chosen Bali, he feels supported. He feels seen. He feels heard. He feels loved. He feels like he's been tended to and nurtured by me Mm -hmm. through me choosing myself. Yeah. And so this is, let's talk a little bit about reparenting an inner child because this is so one of the things I lead with with parents, it is no one else's job. Once you're a parent, once you're like 20 years old, it's no one else's job to meet your needs. You can you can go into relationships with people and be like, are you willing to come into this with me? And we can mutually sort of help each other meet our own needs and help each other meet each other's needs. That's an agreement that you get to make. And that's beautiful. And yes, we need that. 
But ultimately, it's still your job to find that person and communicate that in the right way, right? Like it's our not just our job and our responsibility, but it's it's our power. So you know what I'm hearing a little bit, and and we've done some work together, but with the tapping, and one of the things that was so powerful was watching you begin to soften in your voice to your inner child because that voice was so critical mm-hmm. that it made sense that you were in this place of like, I'm not going to feel that. I'm not going to go there. Like, I don't deal with those kinds of emotions. Like, that's pathetic. But our job as the embodied, strong, empowered woman, in my opinion, is to learn how to meet all of the needs of all parts of ourselves. Because once we do that, we are resentful to the people around us. And part of that is having a boundary in place, right? Like for mothers, this is incredibly important. Like where is your boundary where you you just have to step away and you have to take care of you? In relationship too, like how do you protect yourself from being completely tapped out, overtouched, whatever it is? How do you meet your own needs? And this is where I use EFT tapping. And EFT has been a godsend to me. And it was one of the modalities that came to me when I was in the health crisis. I didn't fully jump into it until motherhood, I don't think. But in that health crisis, I realized if I'm going to get out of that place of numbness, I need to learn how to feel. Mm. Right. And that literally for me was beginning to feel when am I hungry? When am I not? Like it was really simple. It was like, Mm. what does hunger feel like in my body? I needed to just reconnect that because I couldn't know anything. It was all, I was all in my head. So through tipping, I was able to show up and begin to stretch that relationship with myself and my own emotions and begin to identify emotions in my body. And then, you know, this is an emotional spectrum. So if you're only feeling this much of life, you're not allowing yourself to feel the difficult parts, the pain, because it's just too much. You're also not allowing yourself to feel the pleasure and the joy. So this is why I can not having orgasms and feeling connected with men and getting any pleasure out of it whatsoever was because I was so shit scared of feeling all of this, the shame and the pain and the self-hatred, which for me came about in a massive criticism of my appearance. I had total body dysmorphia. So I had to just slowly stretch that through EFT tapping, like meeting my need of softness towards the part of me that was being so hard on myself and then facing some difficult traumas and facing some difficult memories. And then slowly, like the other end of the spectrum can open up. And now I'm really happy to say that I am in a relationship and that relationship is mind blowing in the amount of pleasure that I can feel. And I didn't know this is my first relationship in eight years because I've been a single mum, and I was really devoted to getting my kid to age seven for various reasons without having what I considered could have been trauma of having to suddenly share me. So it's been quite deliberate. And this incredible man has come into my life. But the pleasure is insane. And, you know, he's like, how have you never, you know, am I that good? Have <laughs> you never felt that? Well, just been starved for eight years. I've been starved for eight years, but I don't know what, it wasn't a problem because I hadn't enjoyed that much what had gone before. Yeah. So I'm like, what am I going to knock everything out on? My body could do this. I need to I could do this. So, you know, yes, he's incredible. And this is such testament to that work that I've done of like feeling in, allowing, like playing with pleasure, playing with, you know, joy. When we were working together, we were in a, in a group where it was just like, just dance and celebrate, celebrate the little things. Even though I was in such a state of fear around money at the time. So how do you still, even then, feel pleasure and joy? 
So we have the power to increase that spectrum for ourselves. But one of the main things is to go back and learn how to meet our own needs in a soft, loving way, as if we are the parent to ourselves, so that we can relax, so that we can know that our needs are going to be met, which in itself opens us up to a whole new opportunity of of feeling because we're not in a self-protective, fear-based, nobody loves me. You know, we can do this for ourselves and change the neuroplasticity in our brain. Mm, powerful. Just for a little bit of context for anyone who's following on and is like, I am so down for all the pleasure that, that SAS is experiencing. But I have no idea what you mean when you say EFT tapping. Yeah, so EFT is a thing called emotional freedom technique tapping. And ultimately, it's an energy psychology which uses the meridian system in our body, much like acupuncture does. And the meridian system is our energy superhighway. You know, we're all energy. Everything we're looking at, touching, everything is energy, right? And our cells are predominantly energy. So when you think about how energy moves and when you think about what an emotion is, an emotion is energy in motion. It is not an actual thing. It is a sensation, an energy that moves through us that brings a signal or some information that's there to tell us that we need to get a need met, right? That's what an emotion is. It has a job to do. But if we don't fully process those emotions, pay attention to them, allow them to move through, or we block them, or a thought gets connected to them, which scares us and we shut it down, then that emotion can get trapped in our body. And when it's trapped for long enough, the belief is that it can become manifest, it can become physical pain, it can even become illness, which is what we're talking about in terms of metaphysical disease. This energy can become manifest. I mean, we only need to look at the solid objects around us to know that that's true, that they become dense and blocked and they stop moving and they can become illness. And so with EFT tapping, we're using the endpoints, the meridians, much like acupuncture does. So there's a couple on the face. There's some on your body. By tapping on them, you can actually shift and open up those energy pathways and it begins to move. And that sounds really woo-woo and kind of out there, but on a very different level, the way that EFT is set up is it just allows us to bring focus to the emotions that we don't want to look at in a way that actually feels safe and our brain gets a little bit distracted. Whereas we might be like, oh, I'm running away from this feeling in a day. And I still have it where I'm like, I just don't feel right. And I can feel like I'm running away from something. If I sit down and I start tapping and I get curious and I'm like, where is it in my body? And I say the words, which are, even though I have this heart palpitation or this pain in my left chest, I love and accept myself completely and I know I'm safe. And just that, and you say that three times, and just that focus, just bringing your attention, your consciousness to the part of you that you're trying to avoid on a physical level can even make it sort of pop, move, change, decrease, because ultimately these emotions just want to be looked at and seen. So if we can do that in real time, so get to the end of a day and you're like, what is going on in my body today? We can move stuff through and really beginning to see ourselves as the witness, understanding that these emotions come and go. They are not who we are. And they don't actually mean anything true about our lives, our identity. They're just bringing messages. So we can step back and be like, okay, what's the message today? Move it through, allow it to sort of, I almost feel it coming up and out. Other people have other experiences. But then you get clarity. Then you can access like, okay, underneath the fear, there's this, there's a belief or underneath the fear, I know what I need to do. This relationship isn't right or whatever big decision is there, but you've now like skimmed off the thing that you're scared to feel. 
right? You've kind of skimmed them off. So there's something underneath that you can get to actually do something with and take an actionable step. So powerful. And you're the first person I've ever seen combined EFT tapping with nurturing the inner child. Uh, there are other people doing, I think, but for me, it's just energy. I mean, the same thing, you know, the inner child is driving an emotional reaction because that part of you wants to be heard. And so I mean, you can do it with any part of yourself. Absolutely. And I think people are realizing that EFT is a psychology. It's not an additional kind of thing that you do to help someone get over the fear of having an illness or something, which is how the NHS use it. It is a psychology. And we know this because of all these studies now, Gabor Mate and Bessel van der Kolk, the body holds the score. The understanding that trauma is held in the body because of these imprints that we store, that actually to heal trauma, we don't have to go back through the story. We don't have to get someone to talk about it over and over and over again, which actually just lays down the neural pathways deeper and deeper and deeper. I mean, you create more identity around it. What we actually need to do is begin to move the blocks, the energetic imprints in the body. And there's a lot of nervous system work to do too. I mean, I'm a big fan of Irene Lyon, who is an incredible somatic experience lady who works with the nervous system and I think transforms lives by bringing gentle awareness to the parts of you that need to be held and seen in a very soft way. Powerful. My question for you is, what is your experience of yourself like now being in this embodiment, this expression in comparison to you 35 years? Oh my God, I am a different human being. I'm a different human being than I was at 35. I am infinitely happier in my skin. I love my body because it is not only birthed child, but now can give me the pleasure that eluded me for so long. I'm able to communicate in ways that I never knew were possible. I was terrible at trying to talk about the difficult things, especially with men. Whereas now I'm out front just being like, okay, so I got really triggered by that. That was not personal to you. I can make really powerful requests, like, are you willing to show up in this way? Because that would really serve me. These these are just all completely new ways of being for me. I'm building a stronger relationship with the universe and learning that the universe does have my back and there's safety in that. You know, that's been going on for 20 years, I'd say, for me, relationship with spirit. But I'm beginning to really find some strength there. And ultimately, I, I feel more joy. I feel more complete. And while my in career isn't doing what I, you know, maybe want it to do at times, I'm trusting that that's because that particular job would not bring me the joy that I am now wanting to align with, and that it wouldn't take my son's development further, that it wouldn't, you know, it just wouldn't serve us. And like I said, like even making this decision about what school my son goes to, there is a strengthening relationship with my own gut instinct and faith that. You know, we don't all need to check all the boxes in the way that when I grew up, it's like you have to be academic and you have to fit in. And with with this kind of social circle, I'm like, you know what, we're all going to find our way. And as long as my son is connected to his sense of self and his joy and he is living his best version, that's absolutely fine. And the same goes for me. So there's just much more pleasure and desire and laughter and beginning to feel more safety. That's always been a, a challenging one for me. And certainly my relationship with money is still, I'm still working on that. But having made a shit ton of money and not been happy, and now I'm like, okay, well, I get to learn how to do that differently from a different mm-hmm. place. 
And so I'm up for it. I'm a yes to that journey and we'll see what happens. Fuck yes, let's go. So for any woman who is listening right now who is under the illusion that fame or wealth or making a shit ton of money or uh, social media fame, some kind of influence will be the thing where society finally validates her and then she will feel worthy from within, what would you say to that woman? Those things really could feel great to you, but you need to do the inner work first so that you believe those things about yourself because they're never going to fill up the gaping hole if you yourself are feeling numb to the shame, the grief, the pain, the trauma, the loneliness, the unnotenoughness, like that gets to be healed first. And then all these other things get to be trinkets in your life that you get to play with. It's like life is a playground, but they're not your lifeline. And you will be so much better in all of those domains. You'll be so much more effective when you're coming from this embodied sense of self. Amazing. Anastasia Griffith, I have absolutely fucking loved going there with you today. This is one of my favorite conversations yet. I have one last question that I ask every single guest that I would also love to ask you. Sass, what does it mean to be raw, real, and vulnerable in your own life? Oof. I think it's really about connection for me. I think it's about, I want to be, I want to be fully embodied and fully expressed so that I can show up so completely in the messy humanness of it. I'm not afraid to show up in the messy humanness of it with the people that I love and encounter. Because for me, it's about exploring what it is to be human. And that is the full spectrum of all of it. And to share that and connect with others through that. So I think it's just about being messy and real so that we can connect with each other more deeply. Amazing. That's literally, I just want to let you know, one of my favorite conversations on the pod of all time. I loved it. I learned so many things about you that I did not know had ever occurred. And I feel so privileged and grateful to have been able to receive you in this way. And I can't wait to share. For anyone who has listened in that would love to make their way into your world, where can they find you? Uh, On Instagram, I'm the Anastasia Griffith. I'm also the Empowered Parenting Company on Instagram and the EmpoweredParentingCompany.com is my website. And I do loads of tapping for all women to step into that kind of embodiment. So, mm, When I was having my inner child meltdown when I got to Bali, Sass was the first person I asked to support me. So I highly recommend. Thank you so much for being here with me today. That was amazing. That was so fun, Beck. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.